I'm here in British Columbia once again with Sun Bo, who has some updates for us. Uh, book number three of the Sasquatch Conversations has come out, and essentially it's brought in about 10 different authors, all who have been in contact with the beings we know as Sasquatch. And each one of them has stories that kind of verifies and validates and overlays with each other's stories. And we are not going to have time to get into all of them, but we're going to pick and choose. And first we'll start with some of Sunbo's own experiences that we haven't talked about before, because I was trying to imagine a couple of them uh, as we went. And first of all, let me ask you, how did this year's event go in terms of the amount of contact with people? And, and maybe if there were some overarching messages coming in. Yeah, this year's conference was uh, very successful. We had, um, we counted 222 people. Ooh, excellent. We had people again from Australia, from Russia, from Europe, uh, different parts of North America. Uh, there was 12 workshops every day for three days. We had also a few native elders like uh, Clifford Mahodi, who yes. was the co-founder of the Star Knowledge Conference, as well as um, Garrett Duncan and uh, Uza Navajo. And um, so there was some highlights. Uh, for me, we had two group encounters where a few of us uh, met a few of the Sasquatch. Together? Yeah. So you could kind of validate each other's experience because you were having it together. Yeah, that's the, the most... That's the, exciting. Yeah, the most uh, wonderful part of this journey, I think, is when we can share it. Talk about that a little bit and what the nature of that group encounter or the group encounters were like, and also um, any kind of messaging that's coming through right now. Yeah, well, it's uh, when we know the Sasquatch exists, that uh, we have these relatives, that they are psychic and interdimensional. And so what's next is interspecies communication, is how do we relate, how do we learn from each other, how do we communicate? And uh, on a personal level, an individual uh, journey, it's up to each one of us how we much time, energy, and attention we put to this mm -hmm. interspecies communication. But when we share it with others, it's uh, it's like you say, it validates. But on top of that, is uh, like uh, amplifies mm -hmm. because um, so these two experiences happened uh, the first night. Well, it was the first time was about seven or eight of us. And I saw the eye shine and went around with a friend. And just like a couple of minutes later, someone else saw the eye shine at the same place and we had... The eyes shining eyes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, the Sasquatch have yes. sometimes. And uh, so we had this close contact with them. And the other... Time was a couple of nights later on the Saturday. Or it lasted uh, two, three hours. Okay, so let's let's kind of sink into that a little bit. The first time was it Camus or was it another uh, being, Sasquatch? I think it was um, others. Mm -hmm. There was uh, probably a local local Sasquatch yes. right there. 
Uh, Gail was one of the co-authors. She she felt a, a, a female, uh, and she basically she's the one who got a message that time. The other time is when we went to the amphitheater. Was where went to the what amphitheater? Amphitheater. That's okay. where a lot of activity has happened in the past three years. Uh, for instance, a lot of orbs on the photos. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, many orbs, orbs everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was uh, Shakaro's um, channels, the star language. Uh, she started to, to talk uh, in the star language, and they came out. It's the oh, second time that I see her doing that. Interesting. And they came forward, more than one? Yeah, there was a few. It's hard to say exactly how many, because we see one, we see one. Because some are partially hidden, and some are coming yeah. a little more forward, yeah. Yeah, and uh-huh. they kind of... They're not totally fully materialized, so mm-hmm. we can see one appear and disappear, and next one there, one walking by, we see eye shines, mm-hmm. we hear uh, branches crack, footsteps, yeah. all these things. But there was about, again, seven or eight of us. Interesting. And now the communications through Gail, was everything done telepathically in the usual way then? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That's how uh, communicators... Ooh, get in deep conversations right. with them. And including yourself, obviously. Yeah. And what did that particular message coming from the female Sasquatch through Gail have to share with you? Uh, she, they were welcoming us. We were just coming in. And um, it was the first time she was seeing the, the eye shining. Mm-hmm. So she was very happy about it. Mm-hmm. And it confirmed what I just see a couple minutes before that she didn't hear, so... That what? Yeah, she didn't hear. Right. But I had seen the eye shine and yes. she saw them. So that's uh, those signs they give us, that uh, they, they have many, many ways to, to manifest and to, to come forward. So really the, the overarching message is, okay, now is time for proof. So you can learn to relax with this and be more comfortable that we're here. Mm-hmm. Proof is, I don't think, it's not about proof. They give signs, they give uh, 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 evidence. Mm-hmm. We can find footprints, we can find, we can see them, we can hear them, we can find structures they build, we can find hair in some cases, we yeah. can find um, gifts they, uh, they, they leave. Gifts they leave, yeah. Um, so there's all these different ways they have to manifest to let us know their, of their presence. Right. And the, you were saying earlier that the the larger message was it's time that we begin coming together and communicating. Yeah. So that, it wasn't per se like very specific messages they had to do at that moment, but here we are, let's learn to be together. Exactly. Okay. That's Once we know we're not alone and we have these relatives that are uh, not only very close but very evolved, mm-hmm. they, they can be great teachers. So the next step is to communicate. And it's a long process. And I, I just mentioned many different ways they have to communicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the deepest level is on the, the telepathy. Yeah, on the psychic planes. Yeah. And they in the book, it talks about 
um, how, why they can go undetected if they choose to, that they have the ability to bend light. So the illusion is simply, you, it's just almost like creating a field where you can't see them even if they're standing right there. And they also have the ability to change frequencies just enough so it's out of the human ability to perceive visually, right? Yeah. And they can phase in just as quickly if they choose. Exactly, yeah. They, they move between the different dimensions or mm -hmm. densities. Mm -hmm. And there's certain densities that do not reflect light or that do not uh, are not visible in our spectrum. Yes, yeah. But they do exist. They are realities. They are not abstract concepts. Yeah. And then every now and then they show it full on. Yeah. So you can see them. And hair samples and other things. Mm -hmm. People have done drawings of them after yeah. they've encountered them and seen them. And the, mm -hmm. the drawings from diverse groups of people all over the world are all still kind of very similar. Yeah. They seem to validate each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's also a good amount of uh, photos and videos out there. Uh, of course, it's hard to uh, always know the authenticity. Right. Resources, but... Uh, once you know what a Sasquatch looks like, you can kind of feel if a photo or a video yes. is, is real. You know, it's interesting. I think after we met last time, or maybe after we talked last time, I, I am just kind of fuzzy now. I'm trying to remember. Um, I think I watched a video on some girls who had seen Sasquatch, uh, younger girls in Russia, and it was investigated, and it certainly seemed, for all intents and purposes, to be very real. But again, this really bugged me. By the time they wrapped up the documentary on it, they had totally denigrated the story. They had made it seem as though, oh, well, just another, you know, uh, another imaginary event in the mind of children kind of thing. But, but who knows? You know, typical about how ancient aliens and all these other programs end their programs, which is leaving you with a big, you know, hole. And question mark like why did you bring us up like that, just to get re just to get um, ratings only to say but yeah at the end that's really cheap I don't appreciate that about the media and they've done it a fair amount about Sasquatch. That's usually the uh, general attitude in mainstream mm -hmm. uh, even all the, the groups and uh, the different researchers and programs about mm -hmm. Sasquatch. Uh, what I'm seeing, though, I, I, it's pretty amazing because the last year or two, we see more and more that uh, even on the mainstream or very, uh, well, I can say, yeah, I guess, uh, mainstream researchers and, and programs, they start to address or at least question the possibility of the psychic interdimensional Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. Because this information is coming out more and more from different sources, and and with it, similar messages, yeah, yeah, and it's really bringing the answers because it's it's coming from them, from, mm -hmm. from the source. So uh, whatever humans can speculate or theorize or uh, and try to bring our thinking and our agenda to them, it's not working. If we want to have interspecies communications, we have also to listen. Yes. We have to ask what they have to tell us, uh, to learn their ways, mm -hmm. not impose ours on them. Right. Well, I've been intrigued, and I said this in our last interview, or the one before that, I think this is the third time we've been together. Last time, 
the connection was horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were up in the valley and it was snowing and the video and the audio kept dropping mm. out. But one thing I've said from the beginning, which is why I wanted to meet with you initially, is because years ago in my own experience with our my own group of guides, um, had given a little group of us a little exercise to look at when I had asked about Sasquatch, and this is probably 30 years ago. And they said, um, why don't you tell us instead of us telling you for once? And we had to really go inside and meditate on it. And I saw this, this, their evolutionary branches that are distinct and unique in their own. They're nothing to do with us. They're their own beings that are here and separate from us. And I, that made sense to me. You know, and then the beings validated and said, "Yes, that's right." Just like you're not a um, you're not an evolution per se from apes. It doesn't work like that. There are these distinct species that have all been developed different times, sometimes even simultaneously. And so the beauty of the Sasquatch is they have never had the original knowledge, the original Earth connection, cosmic connection dampened by being. Civ- un- uncivilized yeah. as we have, right? Exactly. So that's why they're able to hold and retain knowledge that can reflect back to us mm-hmm. that we may have known once in far, far distant times and have completely forgotten. They're there not to boss humanity, but to simply remind us yeah. this is. And so, from their point of view, what do they say humanity is capable of? Because in one of these chapters, and I've forgotten the author right offhand, I'd have to kind of rifle through my notes really fast. It said that the human being was the most advanced biological entity in existence. Well, uh, what what goes prob- along with that? What does that mean? Probably on this planet, because we're uh, we've refined uh, this the skills and uh, abilities of every other species, basically, mm-hmm. uh, through our bigger brain and mm-hmm. our hands and uh, the, the skills that other animals are, don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and at our highest level, what are, yeah. what do they say we're capable of if we actually expand and grow into who we are? So, you know, remember. Yeah, because we are also multidimensional. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, the, the interspecies relations... Uh, and multidimensional shamanism, they go hand in hand. They, they basically lead to each other. Because mm-hmm. in, uh, in shamanism, the, the, all around the, the world, in ancient cultures, it's uh, the most ancient form of spirituality with all the different variations. But it's basically remembering our connection with all living beings. Mm-hmm. And uh, which involve interspecies communication. And star yeah, systems. Exactly. Even with plants, like uh, we, we will honor the plants mm-hmm. and give thanks to them and um, before using them. Uh, in shamanism, people learn to, to honor the animals, to respect them, work with their spirits. Mm-hmm. So uh, shamanism is basically based on interspecies relations in, in large part. Which also involves multidimension. Yeah. Because uh, to talk with a crow or with a plant, it's it's not necessarily in human words or it's in a uh, soul. It's in, it's in telepathy. It's a spiritual language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So if we can do that with like, we could say less evolved forms of life, like plants or animals, then if we can do that with more evolved uh, forms of life, sure. we have um, so much to learn. Once we develop the ability to listen, mm-hmm. and also not just to learn, but to remember. And they do talk about this, about our being um, manipulated and cut off from mass remembrance of who and what we are as a species. And I th- all of the viewers of this show know that these kinds of things go on to distract and lower our frequencies to the point, lower consciousness to the point where we really don't even care to remember, don't even know why we'd want to remember or what there is to remember. And they say, you need to wake up and remember, right? Yeah, yeah because also we're uh, the way our collective destiny uh, is going mm-hmm. on, on this planet at uh, this time of evolution more than any other before. It's, um, it is, it's critical. Mm-hmm. We're destroying the environment and the biodiversity and we're even fighting amongst ourselves over non-renewable resources that destroy environment. We use destroying technologies. So there's definitely a big evolution to, that needs to to be done. And they're, you know, they're, they are still in communication with their star elders, the star people. And many people here on Earth are in contact with predecessors, star people, people who, other types of species who've been here and walked this planet. And the message is always the same. The first thing is you absolutely have to stop hurting Mother Earth, your host. You have to stop. She's in an Un, unimaginably conscious being going through her own evolution, and you're a guest. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And we depend on, on Earth, on uh, nature, where we depend also on all species. Every, yes. every life form is uh, interdependent. Right. Um, so by hurting nature, we hurt ourselves. And also, it's. Um, it's a step toward peace, toward a peaceful living. It's to, yes. to respect our life, to honor our life, and to preserve as much as we can. That's what I've seen. It doesn't matter where the messages come from, from whether it's a cheesy movie in the 1950s yeah. to encounters with Sasquatch to you know, more sophisticated military interactions. The message is always the same. You really need to stop doing damage to your host here and then start waking up yeah. you know, to what's possible. Yeah, which also involves... A spiritual awakening, or we could say, uh, raising our consciousness yes. into remembering our multidimensional yes. selves. Well, I've been up here interviewing um, Clayton and Jeff, of course, who you know well. They introduced me to mm-hmm. you, and the whole thing is about raising consciousness. And so sometimes you have to have kind of a shocking display of presence in order for a person to be surprised into the next level of awareness. One of your experiences in the book you talk about is when Kamu, who you've had contact with a lot, you know, for the last few years, uh, Kamu decides to visit you at a relatively crowded campground. Instead of you going and being drawn out into a remote area of nature, mm-hmm. tell us about that event and what happened. That happened on my birthday last year. <laughs> and it was a pretty... Um, Pretty big surprise because uh, I I first got I got to BC a couple of days before. You got what? Uh, I got back to BC. Oh, like BC. A, a okay. Couple, couple of days before, 
And I opened the map. I said, where am I going to go for my birthday? And I first thing I read is Sasquatch Park by uh, Harrison of Spring, what they call the they call the Sasquatch capital of the world. Which is, where is Sasquatch Park compared to, say, Vancouver? It's uh, about, let's say, one hour east of Vancouver oh, okay. in the Fraser Valley. Oh, in Fraser Valley. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And, um, yeah, Harrison of Springs has the Sasquatch Days uh, Festival since 1938, which is a native-led event. And they have Sasquatch statues all over town. Well, they're, they're all over town here. In fact, Jeff was wearing Sasquatch socks yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> Red yeah. socks with <laughs> Sasquatch all over them. Yeah. This is Sasquatch country, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Nelson has this T-shirt with a, a Sasquatch and a UFO. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So so you're at this somewhat crowded campground. It's your birthday. Yeah, and I, I, I felt a call to go there, and I got there. At the, you know, out of a big park, there's only a small area for campground. Whereas there was about 150 people parked there, and uh, I went for a hike and meeting people on a trail. I'm sorry to think, well, nothing's gonna happen here, there's too many people, and they didn't know why I was called there. But uh, when the night came, I started hearing calls, Sasquatch calls. Can you can you make that sound a little bit? What does it kind of sound like? The most, well, they have a very wide Mm-hmm. variety of uh, vocals. Mm-hmm. The ones I heard the most mm-hmm. is what I call the friendly hoots. They, Hoot? They, yeah, they go like, woo, woo. So it can almost like sound like an owl? Uh, it's uh, somewhat. Okay. Like, it's not quite. So your unaware camper could think, wow, that's a deep voice for an owl. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And um, again, I can't re- yeah. reproduce it. Yeah. It's just like, to give an idea. But uh, I, when I heard that, I said, oh, wow, there's a Sasquatch out, out there in the mountain coming this way. Nobody noticed, of course. Then about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes later, he released a big scream, well, like a howl, just on the edge of the campground. So everybody went like, what's going on? And I, I hear the, the little girl next campsite she asked her, Dad, Dad, what was that? He said, uh, maybe a Sasquatch, you know? So she, she freaked out. She said, no, go away. So the Sasquatch answered with a long, like a minute long, loud complaint. Ooh, a loud, you mean howl? Uh, yeah, it felt like a very It lasted a long time, very emotional, after she yeah. said, no, no, go away. Yeah. Right. It was, there was, you could feel maybe... Like a, a cry, almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like sadness. And, yeah. Uh, I got, there. I said, just like, you're in my woods and telling me to, Go I can't away. walk around. Yeah, you know? yeah. So um, everybody, within a minute, everybody ran into their cars and campers, <laughs> turned their lights off and <laughs> went dead quietly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was about... Nine at night. Yeah. And uh, next thing, um, the Sasquatch walked across the campground, calling. And uh, you could I was, hear, I was you all, could hear him. Yeah. Yeah. So I was all happy. I said, "Wow, they come down here in the crowd, right was, in the middle of everybody." Yeah. And uh, next thing I knew, well, that was the local 
Sasquatch clan leader there. But then next thing I know, I heard footsteps right next to me, and Camus was there. Yeah. And he told me, uh, told me, you see, we can surprise you in ways you don't expect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, everybody else wasn't aware of what to think at the time. Exactly. And then he, he had me reflect on the reaction of all those people. Yes. And that uh, made me think that out of those 150 people, probably none of them will ever report, if ever talk about it, even. What about around the campground the next morning? Did anyone talk about it? Uh, I was going to go around and ask people. Mm -hmm. But by nine, everybody was gone. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Oh, <laughs> just split. <laughs> so, so much uh, for research, yeah. Yeah, right. So, well, I got um, uh, my sign, but that made me think about uh, what we call cognitive dissonance. Where cognitive dissonance, yeah. right. You can be right in front of you but you have no place to put it, so yeah. it's like that. So when uh, people uh, see or experience something they don't know, they, it's easier to deny it, mm -hmm. to say it doesn't exist. Or if they can't understand it, they, they say it's impossible. Right. So that's what I believe most people, at least that day there, uh, did that there's probably a very small handful who will ever talk about it. Right. And that makes me realize that there's much more, many more sightings and encounters than we ever heard here. Right. Because people just don't report. As an example, uh, my, my roommate now is, uh, he's been asking people around the last couple of years. He found 70, over 70 accounts uh, locals who had encounters. Who had never reported it yeah. prior. Interesting. So the time now is drawing near for us to start um, becoming a little more humble yeah. and understanding we're not all that. We're mm -hmm. not the only species here. And it doesn't mean we're less than. It means that we've, in a lot of cases, made some bad decisions and have to recover yeah. ourselves and stop some of the behaviors. But no one's putting us down no. as a lesser species. That's not what it's looking like. And whether it's coming from star people or whether it's coming from the Sasquatch. No, it's actually they're uh, trying to remind us our value, our mm -hmm. potential mm -hmm. that we have buried under our our ways, our, our uncivilization. Uncivilization, yeah. Uh, the programming, the conditioning we've been brought into since generations, since uh, yeah. probably thousands of years, mm -hmm. where uh, we cut ourselves from nature and from our, our spiritual essence. Absolutely. Now, in the back of the book, and again, there are so many different people that have their part to say in the book, and I don't want you to have to speak for them because that's their experience, but people can certainly read the book, right? Conversations with Sasquatch, book three, right? Sasquatch Message to Humanity. Ah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Sasquatch Message to Humanity. Kind of there. I don't have it sitting in front of me, so sorry about that. Now we've got it right. Um, book three, and um, I'm only asking you to explain the things you've directly been told and experienced, so just as they will. 
when their time comes, right? So one of them was toward the back of the book, you were put in touch with kind of a a grouchy, uh, I don't know if it was, it was a relative of Camus of some kind, and um, the white hermit. And he had a rather brusque way of communicating. Apologize in advance that you might not like what he has to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and he, what did he call you, little man? He kind of yeah. puts you down, calling you little man here and there, you know, <laughs> putting you in your place because he likes to spar and jostle. But he had some things to say that were really important. And I would love it if you would share with us what this more brusque uh, style of communication this white hermit had to say. Uh, first, uh, uh, this uh, white Sasquatch has been observed for a long time around here. Uh, the local native, the Sinaiks, they know about him. Uh, I've heard of different sightings. I heard a first-hand account last year of someone who saw him. Is he white? Yeah. Literally white? Yeah, white w- hair. White hair, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was seen by Sasquatch Lake because that's where just about an hour from here. Mm-hmm. In 1960, they saw Sasquatch there and they organized uh, big hunting parties that were sponsored by uh, companies like the Columbia Brewery, for instance. That's why they have a Sasquatch as a mascot. Columbia Brewery to go out and hunt Sasquatch. Yeah, uh, how the primitive. Coconut beer. Yeah. yeah that's, their, that's their emblem yeah. as Sasquatch. Because that's at the foot of the Coconut mm-hmm. Glacier. So that uh, Sasquatch Lake is a small lake uh, in the woods. They built some kind of a uh, base camp there, mm-hmm. which is still nowadays used as a campground. But in the uh, day for hunting. Yeah, in 1960. Uh, of course, they never caught uh, a Sasquatch, but they, they had encountered and sightings. And, uh, the official story doesn't tell us why they stopped, but uh, according to... The Sasquatch, they kicked them out, basically. Mm-hmm. Nobody got hurt, but uh, it's pretty easy to frighten people in the woods. Oh, right? sure. Especially <laughs> if you're hunting for Sasquatch. You're right. <laughs> we can all imagine that. Just with the sounds alone to say nothing of leaves and branches cracking yeah. overhead and so forth, and you can't see anyone. Yeah. Right. And and so he, he went on to explain that um, he has this caustic personality because in his role, um, he carries a certain amount of anger. He said, just like humans carry anger, I carry anger to what's been perpetrated against us. Yeah. And that story I just told was a good, a big part of of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because before that, they were living in peace with the natives. Mm -hmm. They, they, They had encounters and they... They knew they, they respect each other. They, they had communication with the medicine people, mm-hmm. as in most tribes, actually. Um, but uh, like he's, he's, he's a bit like not too polite. No, a little insulting. Yeah, but <laughs> at, the, at the same time, it's, uh, it's teachings. Mm-hmm. It's giving lessons of humility, for instance, uh, seeing how we are, how we... We think sometimes ourselves to be so so wonderful Advanced. and yeah, like like we were on top of everything and mm-hmm. we're we're not. We're just part yeah. of the whole wheel and so yeah, the the lessons I think sometimes 
he took me as a scapegoat a little bit. Yeah. That he's talking to all of us. You can take it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was interesting because what he and Camus both have told you about is that, and they talk about these things, and I think it's important to talk about, that there are what they term kind of lower lords of this planet that are seeing to it that humanity can't wake up at the proper rate. And are actually even using technologies, whether it be... Um, you know, harp, um, whether it be chemtrails, weather modifications, destabilizing the earth to create tragic uh, geological events, tsunamis, and so forth. And I have to say, the beings, my beings have said the same thing and said the day after uh, the big tsunami in 2005, this was a man-made event. And same thing after Katrina, there was human interference. And so I'm familiar with these concepts and while not comfortable with them, understand we've been doing some pretty dastardly things on this planet and oftentimes to very disadvantaged regions of the world. Right? Yeah, definitely. There's, a, there's a, a, an ongoing covert war against life, basically, mm -hmm. which include uh, the, the ecocide, uh, the, the genocide, and the climate war. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, what did they say the purpose is from their observational point of the, the climate wars? For instance, all those fires we've been seeing? Yes. Uh, it started about four years ago. That we didn't used to have so many fires before. Uh, I think about around 2014, 2015, we started having all those fires everywhere, right. all summer. All over the west and the north. H horrible in California. Yeah, and now it's even worldwide. It's pretty. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, we find if with a little study that all those fires tend to be lined up, mm -hmm. often along the proposed pipeline routes. Interesting. Yes. And uh, there's things meaning to d ravage the land so that the indigenous people or the whoever's living there inhabiting the land are forced to move away. Exactly, exactly. To Opening to it up for rights. Clear the, the way claimed. for the yeah. industry yeah. that are already destroying us. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, uh, in the California fires. Mm -hmm. uh, f two years before, the forests of Northern California, they were killing all the oaks with Roundup. Mm -hmm. to Roundup. Mm -hmm. So the oaks all died right on their f standing. Mm -hmm. And there's pines around, mm -hmm. so that's the best way best to fuel fire right for now. a fire. And we we've seen videos and and people have done research now. So many uh, they say the the most selective fires in history that you have like rows of houses that are completely flattened, alternating with rows of green trees. Exactly, and we've all seen the images of this. And this this came up in Judy Wood's book about where did the towers go, about um, uh, particle beam laser technology, yeah. Tesla technology, that was in her, her studied scientific opinion, she doesn't say who, why, she doesn't care about that, um, was used to take those buildings down, and then three blocks away, a seared row of cars where the top half the car is fine, the second half is fried. Yeah. That's, to me, that would indicate weaponry. To that total, level uh, of yeah, weaponry. Evidence. And they can start fires and take out tracts yeah. of land like that. Even the uh, road railings. Yes. They were burning everywhere. They had a boat mm -hmm. and the twigs next to them didn't burn. Right. 
So that's obvious that it's a microwave weapon. And stuff exactly. Like that. So this is going on, and there you know this. You've researched it on the ground, but the Sasquatch are explaining to you why this is being perpetrated by these hidden forces against humanity. And they do say some are human and some are not human. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a moment. And then what to do about it. Yeah, it's because, uh, well, some beings want to control and dominate. Yeah. Including humans, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, to, to control and dominate, uh, they have to use force or... Uh, bribery or, or fraud or uh, covert means. Mm. So uh, they've been doing a pretty good job at getting control over the planet, the uh, institutions, the, all the, the industrial ways. Soul-choking institutions yeah. of all kinds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The economy, everything is mm -hmm. under the control of a small mm -hmm. elite, small group. Um, that are very, very often, I mean, related to secret societies. Mm -hmm. So that's like the structure to, to run the world for those who, who want to control it. And at the same time, we have to be very careful to understand there are, quote, secret societies that are actually also operating on the behalf of expansion and of awareness. They're not all covert and they're not I mean, all covert groups are not necessarily here to damage humanity and, and choke off life mm. itself. Yeah, to, no, to honor that. of course. Yeah. Because there's uh, different schools. Yeah, different, exactly. Uh, uh, groups that have uh, different intentions. Exactly. So we're just talking about the groups with that intention. And yeah. Yeah. The, and it goes even deeper than that. So just to kind of finish up the warnings on behalf of um, the White Hermit, Okay, and Camus reinforces these mm -hmm. as well. Uh, just, let's finish that part up and then go into the solutions. Yeah, well, um, the, the critical situation is pretty obvious. And like you said earlier, uh, it's, we've been warned by many sources from many conscious beings. Uh, what to do next is... Um, we have to to raise our consciousness to to at least understand our interconnectedness with everything. Mm -hmm. So we cannot arm something without arming ourselves and without consequences. So that means we will have to reinvent all our, our societies and like we have already all the the technologies and the knowledge to to have free energies, non polluting. Mm -hmm renewable, um, sustainable lifestyle. Mm -hmm. uh, it's time to apply it now. It's time to, to really move out of the old paradigm that keeps us ground, uh, backwards into the, the oil age, the nuclear, and all those things that are detrimental. Mm -hmm. And another thing I remember they said through one of the other women, I believe, is that it's time that humanity has to stop pushing down, repressing, and running away from the trauma and pain in our own beings. Yeah. It has to start coming up to be embraced, transformed, looked at, experienced, and say, this isn't, this isn't, I don't have to hide this anymore, because it's keeping a lid on the development of our consciousness to carry this around, guilt and so forth. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we have to uh, 
to think of the future generations yeah. as well as our, the past generations. Mm -hmm. We are healing our ancestors' karma. We carry in our genes all the memories of our ancestors, the trauma, the pain. And uh, it's our mission, our duty to transform it, to heal it. Well, and in addition, we are our ancestors. Yeah. I mean, that's the part people often forget. Yeah. We often created that very trauma right. that we now inherit three or four generations later by often incarnating back into the mm -hmm. same bloodlines. Yeah. Right? And they acknowledge the reincarnation aspect of our existence as a species. Yeah. Because yeah. we have so much shorter lifespans than they. Mm -hmm. So we're here a short time and come back and we inherit this. And to bring this up for healing and clearing the slate, taking the lid off of it, so we can then come into that harmony together for healing together and also collectively and, and the planet itself, helping her just get out of her way, let her do her own healing, yeah. stop damaging her. Mm. Any final thoughts that you want to share on that, those messages about our way forward? Well, that's the path to also uh, to make peace with our planet, mm -hmm. starting with ourselves, like uh, the mm -hmm. personal healing, the collective healing, mm -hmm. the other species. It's a path for us to evolve into uh, star beings, mm -hmm. basically, because we are star beings, but we're still bound to this planet because we are not evolving yet mm -hmm. to the point we can go and spread our civilizations around the cosmos. We have to refine our lifestyle, our energies, our uh, our purpose, our intention mm -hmm. to uh, beneficial. Yes, and there was um, there is um, a person who has been featured on Gaia a few times, who's had um, kind of a, a background that works with the government kind of covert uh, ops and such having to do with the UFO ET experience. And and in one of the shows he was featured on, because he talks about all these different species he's encountered and aware of and such, and of course everyone's like, who's the most violent species? You And he said, well, hands down, the most dangerous species is us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Certainly where we're living, we don't have to fear that. We, we need to fear our own behavior. So it does have true. to be transformed. Yeah. And they said the same. Yeah, because there's a, a law of non-interference to that. Uh, that we break ourselves. Yes. Because we go around and destroy other species. Right. But because we do destroy the ones we have uh, the possibility or the power to destroy. Right. If we were to meet more powerful species, we could be the prey. Mm -hmm. We could be... Uh, uh, treated just as we treat right. the ants, for instance. So, so, but uh, more uh, evolve means also more conscious, more uh, compassionate, more uh, harmonious, more more peaceful. So that's what they're calling us to to work on to become, because uh, we can uh, then reconnect with our, all our great cosmic family. Right. So to accept and transform our our own dark parts, and mm -hmm. start accepting each other on a deeper level. Compassion for all living things, right? Mm -hmm. And then we're ready to we're ready to do business yeah. with others. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sambo, for taking the time to come be with us. And um, is there a website people can go to now for the yeah. conference? Because before you, no one could get hold of you. 
So where do we go well, now? Well, I got my uh, website started this spring. It's uh, scenicsasquatch.com. Mm -hmm. Scenic stands for uh, Sasquatch Close Encounter Network for Interspecies Communication. Very we good. We promote uh, nonviolent, peaceful communication. Well, thank you for all the work you're doing for bringing so many people together now and for bringing a very gentle message forward. It has a little warning hidden in it, but it's basically gentle. We just have to get out of our own way and do the right thing, and we're on the right track, right? Right. <laughs> thank you so much, Senbo. Thank you very much. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on ReginaMeredith.com. <laughs>